the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Liberty in America is under assault. We no longer live in a reality that includes property rights. We're no longer the kings of our own castle. We no longer enjoy the true benefits of capitalism. Instead, we're negotiating our rights with our own government. This isn't how our country was founded. These aren't the ideas of our founders. It's time to seize back our country. This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, here's your host, Sean Thompson. This is the Liberty Hour podcast. How do we sound in there, kid? Everything good? See, I told you those leotards didn't cut off the blood flow to your brain. You're going to be fine. First one back from working in South Florida. It was a crazy, crazy week, Justin. I spent uh, a day in Miami um, starting at 8 o'clock. I had to drive over, showed 14 listings in Miami, South Beach, and then all the way up to North Beach, and then Lauderdale. And it was the week that uh, tonight everybody is getting prepared for the Soviet debate-off, as if it's going to be different than um, their normal campaign commercials or the transgendering eight-year-old. It's all the same nonsense spewed from 24 different vessels promoting virtuous tyranny, which is really what is kind of happening on both sides, but we're going to focus on the the bad side, on the worst side, right? Like we said last week, if you're going to hit the wall, do it at 30. No need to do it at 100, and we'll get to Trumponomics later. But uh, as I come in the studio today, Robert Mueller to testify. This has been on the news now for, what, about 36 hours, just constant Mueller. This is the greatest campaign finance commercial ever. That's really what this entire investigation has been. It is a money-raising campaign finance commercial, and it fits both parties. So Mueller's going to testify, and the, the uh, DNC is going to get on the phone to all of the old ladies with the cats in. They're going to write the checks, and the RNC will get it on to all the sexually frustrated old men still walking around in Zanzibelts, and they'll write the checks, and everybody will raise money. And in the, uh, in the meantime, people cannot fathom the reality of what is happening, what the real people of America are thinking. So I have this insight because I just got back from Florida, Miami, where... The DNC is holding the Democrat national debates. And one thing, uh, and this is immigrants, by the way. The, the nice thing about Miami is, I mean, every you're, you're an oddity. The fact that I am an actual American in, in uh, South Beach, I'm the, I'm the standout. I'm the one that doesn't blend in. So all immigrants from mainly South American countries um, are there. And the irony is they really are not socialists. The ones that have come here, although have tendencies that maybe were in school like our kids are today, and they're taught that socialism is the way and the light and the it takes a village and all the other BS that the uh, 
the Trotskyites and Marxists have been spewing for 50 years. But when you actually engage the people, and I'm not talking about rich people. I'm talking about the workers, the waiters. I go to this place for lunch whenever I'm in South Beach, and it's uh, Havana 1957, and it's a Cuban restaurant on A1A, or I'm sorry, Ocean Boulevard. No, that's A1A there. A1A uh, in South Beach, and it's owned by a Cuban, and he only hires Cubans that get here from Cuba. So, you know, they barely speak English. And I have had the same waiter and waitresses I go all the time, and they are the best people and the strongest patriots you've ever really been around. I think it's funny when we come to Illinois and we think that, that Republicans are the, are the ones who are arguing for a managed socialism. And when you go to, to South Beach and you got a Cuban who's been here for nine months and he is exhibiting the qualities and, and espousing the benefits of freedom and liberty and capitalism and Americanism, who's the real patriot? I say it's the guy that got here six months ago. And if you, if you get to talk to these people, you'd realize it as well. And they are nauseated. These are people who fled Cuba months ago, are nauseated at what has happened to the American Democrat Party. They're making fun of them going there. They are laughing at the sophomoric, juvenile intellect of these people who are running for the highest office in the land. So that's why I am optimistic every time I get back from Florida, because I keep hearing when I talk to people here, you come in and they say, oh, you know, that South Beach, it's full of a, you know, a bunch of uh, immigrants and a bunch of... These are the people that are going to save you, baby. These are the ones that fled these third world despot countries that are, are, are led by the arrogant, ignorant Soviets, socialists disguised as virtuous, also known as the DNC, and half of the RNC, for that matter. So it's refreshing to see young people who have fled oppression and the failure of socialism and realize these are the people that will save the America I love. Not the one that the Republicans love, that is a corrupt, pay-to-play scheme that's promoted by Republicans far and wide, as far as the eye can see, but the one that, that we believe in when we read about our documents, when we think about our individuality, when we want to talk about property rights. The people who save you are the ones who've had that stripped away in the name of virtue. So who's going to save America is the immigrant, Cuban. Now, here's the downside. When you go up the coast a little bit, you go into Broward County, and you realize that is the hub of where uh, Puerto Ricans came, the Puerto Rican island, where they came was Broward County, mainly around the Fort Lauderdale area. They're welfare recipients. Puerto Rico is a welfare island. So they're now here, and they're voting, and they're hardcore Democrats, socialists, and they're going to they're gonna be a problem. But the benefit is, ironically, are the Guatemalans, are the Brazilians, are the Venezuelans, the Cubans. These are the people that are going to save us. I'm telling you, because the Americans, as you listen to them, and as you hear them chant for a government collective-run economy, you realize they're not going to be, the, the American Republican Party is lost. It's not going to be the one to save you. Um, so what are, that's why we go back and forth, and the two options are the lesser of two evils, and it's not as bad, and the wall at 30 versus 100, all of those sayings are true. But the reality is we still have it a shot. 
we still have optimism. And the shot, as far as I'm concerned, will be from the oppressed um, um, citizen of these third world countries. That's who's going to come here and save you. So that's why my immigration philosophy is a little bit different than the build the wall and get out of my country ignoramuses. Um, Mine is a little bit more nuanced where eliminate the welfare programs that we are all trying to protect as Americans, as you listen to the failures in the private schools and the failures in the in the in the Medicare for all and the failures in the higher education system. If we could only eliminate those problems, then we could accommodate all the others that want to come here. And those are the ones that will lead us to the the path of freedom and liberty. It's certainly not going to be the modern day Republican. So I wanted to get that out there because I think it's a. Uh, I think it's important as we do so. Now, that being said, I get called a, a, a lot of names. Um, the, the couple names I get called are a never-Trumper. I've been called that a lot. Um, what are you criticizing Trump? And I've noticed that, that what's happened is the reaction to the Obamanomics and Obama is, is the willingness for the other side, us, for the most, I say us, but I didn't vote Republican. I'm not a Republican. But the other side being the Republicans, as their willingness to tolerate um, servitude and to promote demagoguery. And I, 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 I'm kind of nervous about it. But in the same sense, I want to be, I don't want to reject it so much that I become somebody who cannot see the benefits of a Donald Trump, who cannot see the blessings of Trump winning over Hillary. They are there and they are prominent and they are setting the tone to help us. My fear is that the bad economics of Donald Trump and the demanding of low interest rates and the building of the economic bubbles that we know are happening again and the easy credit and the massive spending and the hidden taxation, that those will harm us in the future. But I mean, listen, there is a possibility that it'll hurt us, but not kill us. So I try to remain um, optimistic on that level, and I try to remain objective when dealing with Donald Trump because, listen, I remember before Donald Trump got into politics, you know, laughing and, and, and having him entertain us and, you know, uh, watching his career from a very young man until now. And I don't agree with the, 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 the junk bonds and the skullduggery with the finance and the walking away from from uh, uh, your obligation with lenders and stiffing your subcontractors. But, you know, I get it. I think that that he brings a perspective that is far more valuable than a career politician who's nothing more than a con man, right, a chameleon. Here today, what, what, what do you want me to think now? And then when I go across town, I'll think something completely different there. I'm as sick of that as the average Trump guy. I get it. It's sickening. It's nauseating. And in the same sense, I find when he's attacked wrongfully by the socialists, by the open and notorious frauds like Chuck Todd, I find it nauseating. And my reaction is the same as somebody who is a diehard Trumper. I think it is, it is more than disrespectful. I think it is, it is just open and notorious fraud. And, and there's nothing more that you can say about these Democrats whose wives work in the Democrat Party, who have worked for Democrats before, who have an, an actual agenda of propagandizing government and failure of their policies in order to deceive the citizens. These are scum. And that's what Chuck Todd is to me. But it was open on display. And forgive me, I know it's Tuesday. I know everybody talked about this yesterday. But I had to fly back to the, uh, 
the uh, state of the, 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 the People's Republic of Illinois, and I'm still a little depressed about it, so let me work through my Chuck Todd syndrome for a little while. Nothing is green-lighted until the very end because things change, right? So you never gave a... So what I wanted... I didn't set that up right. This is Donald Trump being questioned on, uh, by Chuck Todd of doing what I think is the... And this is what I mean about the benefits and the blessings of Donald Trump. One of the things I really liked about Donald Trump was his foreign policy. He was not an interventionist. He was not a nation builder. He was not a Bush con man who who got us into a quicksand failure soiree like Iraq with no idea how to get out and just lied from the first day till his last day in office about what, what the reality was. So I was optimistic in his in his vision of foreign politics. I liked that he wanted to choke off countries that were getting money for nothing. I liked that he wanted to stop sending our young, valuable boys and girls to go die and get maimed in in the Middle East, which is a sewer of corruption in itself. I thought for a moment he would reject the Saudi Arabian oligarchy, which looks like he's not. But that's another topic. But this thing with Iran, when he pulled back, I cheered that. That is fantastic. Because the overtone of what... Our real problem is with Iran and why it's been there since we partnered up with the true vision or, or true oppressor of the Middle East, the Saudis. Those inbred kingdom of cons, of frauds, of, of profiteers, and how everybody they have a problem with magically appears to be our enemy and we're sending our boys and girls in there. I find it sickening. So I was hoping Trump would break that relationship, but he did He did something that definitely harmed it, and he did show the Saudis, we're not going to be useless pawns uh, for your, your whims. So on what was, I think, promoted by bad people in his administration, he called off at the last minute, and I think it's a great thing he did when he called off the strike in Iran. Nothing is green-lighted until the very end because things change, right? So you never gave a final No, order. no, 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 but we had something ready to go subject to my approval. And they came in, and they uh, came in about a half an hour before. They said, sir, we're about ready to go. I said, uh, I want a better planes definition. We're planes in the air? We're, no, we're the about air? ready to go. Yeah. Uh, no, but they would have been pretty soon. Uh, and things would have happened to a point where you wouldn't turn back or couldn't turn back. So uh, they came, and they said, sir, we're ready to go. We'd like a decision. I said, I want to know something before you go. How many people will be killed? In this case, Iranians. I said, how many people are going to be killed? Uh, sir, I'd like to get back to you on that. Great people, these generals. They said, uh, came back, said, sir, approximately 150. And I thought about it for a second. And I said, you know what? They shot down an unmanned uh, drone, plane, whatever you want to call it. And here we are sitting with 150 dead people. That would have taken place probably within a half an hour after I said go ahead, and I didn't like it. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was proportionate. Now, I don't know how you could argue with that. I really don't. That is a, a fantastic decision, and for this decision alone, I am very happy he is the one who is sitting in the Oval Office, especially given the choice at the time. But what what is I find nauseating is I remember, I remember the seventies. I remember the 80s. I remember when the Democrat people, the people who, who were proud to be Democrats, were anti-interventionists, were anti-war, rightfully so, were, were, were sickened by the military-industrial complex and the fraud that goes into it. It's no accident that there's a revolving door between these, these war profiteers in government. 
What Donald Trump did was to spit in all of their faces. Because if he would have done that, we would definitely be increasing a military position in the Middle East. We would definitely be spending, if you can even imagine, more money than we are now, that we just don't talk about an 18-year war. What he did on that decision is save money and lives. I, 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 I don't know how a reasonable person could say, no, 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 you should have bombed and killed. I don't care if they're soldiers over them taking down your drone. And I listen to the other radio stations and the other hosts, most of whom, most of whom, correctly, correctly would complain when Barack Obama was fighting the hidden war that nobody wanted to talk about in Afghanistan or Syria, when he was quietly funding and paying off uh, uh, Middle East countries uh, instead of fighting them militarily. I remember how they they said um, they were criticizing his decisions at that time. And I'm laughing at the fact that what they're really fighting for is something that they that they argued against six six years ago. I've I've watched as the principles have pivoted, and I've watched how how uh, now we're cheering for bad decisions we used to to uh, rightfully speak against when Barack Obama was in the White House. I I I I just wish it would follow through to economics, and I think then we could correct things. But the idea that um, Chuck Todd for the most part, is in, it's an inquisition what he's doing. It's not an interview. And he's basically, no matter which way he decides, even if he makes a decision that you agree with on principles, you have to take a posture of disagreement. I think it's, it, it, it exposes to the actual Democrat voter the fraud in the Democrat propagandist. And I think, based on this and everything I've seen, both with the economy and everything else, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a challenge. In 2020, I think Donald Trump will win by a much larger margin margin than he won in, in uh, 2016. You know, I'm about common sense. People say, are you conservative? Are you? I, I guess I'm conservative, but I'm about common sense. Now, he is and he isn't because some of the policies he implements, I don't think, are very common sense. And it's not just that I don't think it. I think historically we've proved the opposite. But in this particular case, in the issues that are facing us from foreign uh, enemies and from foreign allies, the general people, the people themselves, the workers, the people who make the world go round, agree with him. Are you going to take the Are you going to take the vision of this kind of restraint, the position of a man who who looks at things, and even when he's told by his high advisors, like the fraud Bolton that he is, you're going to have to go in. You're going to have to go in. He says, "No, I'm not going to go in." I think this was a massively important decision, and this is the kind of decision that I think will win him. The same Democrat working voter that put him in in the first place. I have doves and I have hawks. Yeah, you have some serious I have hawks. some hawks. Oh, yeah, John Bolton is absolutely a hawk. It's up to him. He'd take on the whole world at one time, okay? That's important. But that doesn't matter because I want both sides. You know, some people said, why did you put, you know, I was against going into Iraq for years and years. And before it ever happened, I was against going into Iraq. And some people said, oh, I don't know. I was totally against. And I was a private citizen. It never made sense to me. I was against going into the Middle East. Chuck, we spent $7 trillion in the Middle East right now. That is the single greatest reason to support Donald Trump. Right there. Now, in the same sense, I'm going to reject Trumponomics. But right there is the greatest reason to support Donald Trump. He is exactly correct. And mums the word when it comes to the reality of what we're in. 
the ramifications of the frauds like Bolton and the supporters of, of Bush. We're in this seven trillion and counting. I wish he would have added and counting. Because that's crucially important. And what he did is save lives and money. I think it was very important. And if he really wanted to, if he really wanted to cripple Iran, it could be done overnight. And it could be done economically. And I understand they're putting sanctions on. But sanctions are set up to be frauded. And sanctions are actually set up to be to have your allies be the ones to break them and stab you in the back. And it solidifies the support for Iran and the, the, the against America uh, climate that is happening around the world. So Russia will run to their aid. China will run to their aid. There is another way to do that without giving them that opportunity. And it's really quite simple. Turn up the production of oil. The only thing that is keeping Iran alive right now is oil. It could be destroyed overnight by just cranking up our production. Simple. Pull the restraints off until this thing with Iran is set up, because you do realize the kind of manipulation that is done by the government when it comes to our oil. It's no coincidence that uh, they regulate it just enough where the state, the municipality, and the federal government makes enough taxes to keep them happy. They're not going to allow oil to go back down to $23 a barrel, regardless of the fines that every four years we find that we have oceans and oceans and oceans of it. Whereas in the 70s, they said you were running out, how wrong they were. And now his, history has proven that they were wrong. That we have the largest oil find in history, in history, in the northwest part of our country. And, and we only know the tip of the iceberg of the Antarctica, or Alaska. That we are the, are the biggest oil producers right now. And our problems would be solved, both foreign and domestic, if restraints were taken off and oil production skyrocketed. If it doubled and collapsed the price of oil down to $23 a barrel, Iran is over with. Done. Like a junkie in a strip joint. Can't get any more credit and can't have any fun. It's over with. And that's the way I would take it on. And the, and the fact that we are our refineries are governed. Now we get the summer blend and all the nonsense. That is not for the environment. That is not for anything but price protection. And that is to guarantee that the percentage of taxes paid on that gallon of gas remain high. So you could help the American people and crush your foreign enemies by, by letting freedom ring. Let the, let the pumps go, baby. Because oil is not about gas. And the concept of Americans needs to change. It's not about the gallon of gas. Oil is the fundamental building block of everything in your life. It is the lifeblood of existence itself. Because it is the primary component of everything you see, feel, touch, and wear. Everything that's good in your life is a petroleum-based product. It just is. And I know until we can run things on CBD oil, unfortunately we're going to need that black gold. And the only reason Iran is anywhere is because the American government, through the Sherman Antitrust Act, broke apart Standard Oil and the other competitors that were getting too big. See, that's, that's going to take us right into our other segment. The idea that the, the, the antitrust laws are used for the betterment of society versus the fact of what we're living in the reality of just exactly what the Sherman Antitrust Act did is why we have the turmoil and tumultuous situation in the Middle East. Because without the Sherman Antitrust Act, Iran would be what it was 
a hundred years ago, a little way station, a little place where foreign countries that couldn't buy it from America maybe bought oil. Because most of you do realize Iran was the oil supply for the Nazis, right? That's why it's even called Iran. That's a, it's a, it's a, not the, Adolf Hitler named it Iran because that's what it was good for. But we could crush it overnight by letting unrestraining our oil production and unrestraining our refineries to crank out the black gold. Be great for everybody. But no, this is, let this be an example of what happens when the government tries to use its Sherman Antitrust Act for too big to fail. And it's going to take me right into the next topic, which I find infuriating. And that is the bill by the Republican that actually leads into going after an Internet search engine, if you can believe it. And this is the part where I say, be careful. You don't turn into the very tyrant you reject. That's what happens sometimes when a society is battered and beaten from pillar to post. They actually turn to another tyrant to right the wrongs. And that's not what we're supposed to do. So when I hear government misuse promoted by Republicans, I expect it from Democrats. I find it sickening when advertised by Republicans. And I want you to think about something right now because I've been getting these, uh, tuning into these different stations about how there is an anti-conservative base, a bias on YouTube and Google, and uh, something needs to be done about it. You know, it reminds me of when the, the women in the early 19th century said, this alcoholism is a problem. Something needs to be done. And what happens? A prohibition, a government strong iron fist. And what actually, what are the ramifications of that? Absolute mayhem. Not just the organized crime mafias that made billions upon billions at the time, but it doesn't ever really work, and it does more harm than good. That's what the Sherman Antitrust Act is. It's not about antitrust. It's about extortion. It's about making creative ways to circumvent the oppressive law that should have never existed. Because you know the one that showed the, the Middle East how to build the or, or how to get the oil out of the ground and how to make trillions upon trillions of dollars was the American businessman that was forced to operate in foreign lands. Just read the book Titan, and you'll realize those are still Rockefeller's wells that they're pulling the oil out of that we're fighting with every one of these countries we turned into into superpowers overnight that never would have existed without the Sherman Antitrust Act. But for some reason, you're not taught that. For some reason, Republicans in, in backwater Alabama or Louisiana or wherever the hell the dimwits from who wrote the bill. And you don't realize what you're calling for, the breakup of Google. You should be ashamed of yourselves. It's, it's, it's actually mind-boggling to me. A couple weeks before the Google Insider came forward, Project Veritas secretly recorded with Jen Janai, a Google executive, Janai talks about making sure when people search for things through machine learning algorithms, Google's political agenda is always present. We all got screwed over in 2016. Again, it wasn't just right. else. It was like people got screwed over. The news media got screwed over. Like everybody got screwed over. So now we're rocking again. Like what happened there? How do we prevent it from happening again? So why isn't this used by a smart? internet developer to go raise money from non-communists in order to create a competitor. And here's the other thing. There are 300 competitors to Google now. Just because you're lazy and inept, that's just too bad. But the other thing is, this information could be used to have a, 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 a counterpart to Google. But the fact of the matter is, you're too lazy. The people who are chanting for Google to be restrained and regulated 
are too lazy and too incompetent to search for another venue. So because you're 70 years old and you got your one app on your Samsung phone and you don't understand that you could have others or you could buy different products, you want to use government as a weapon in the same way the Democrat does, the Chicago Democrat. Same thing. For some reason, you can't connect it. You can't understand the parallels. The frightening part is when it happens by people high in government. Uh, it's possible we're going to make a deal, but I'm also very... I don't know. I wanted the one with Trump and Google. See, I didn't... They should be sued because what's happening with, with the bias, and now you see yeah. it with that executive yesterday from Google, the hatred for the Republicans. Right. It's not even like, gee, let's, let's lean Democrats. So what? Is your bias the same? I'm curious because I run a couple businesses. You wouldn't know it, but I run a couple businesses. One is a leisure business that um, I bought. The, didn't, the timing was wrong. I bought a little cigar store in Elmhurst called the Elmhurst Cigar House. And the first day, this is, I'm not kidding you, first day, I had seen the guy there when I was a customer. I had known he was, uh, you know, he leaned a little bit more to the socialist viewpoint. But until you say something, I'm not going to show you any, any necessary bias. He came in my store. This is, this is one of my favorite things. It was I think it was my first or second day. He had a Bernie Sanders shirt on. I had bought it just prior to the election, and Bernie and Hillary were running a contentious race. He had a Bernie Sanders shirt on, shirt on and an ACLU hat on. And I said, the irony in that costume you're walking around with, dummy, makes me, I don't know if I should laugh or cry. He said, what do you mean? I said, you got a hat on that's promoting civil liberties. And you got a shirt on from a guy who guarantees he'll take it away from you. And he looked at himself just as stupid as he looked. And he said, he's talking about, you know, uh, uh, happiness forever. He's talking about the stripping away of civil, civil liberties. That's the only way you can get to a utopia. Just like in Illinois. I don't have civil liberties in Illinois because I earn. My civil liberties are taken away for the people who don't, who want to send their kid to the free school, who want the free food, who want the free rent. You're taking away my property rights. You're, you're building schemes and laws of weapons to use against me. My civil liberties are under assault. You've declared war on me in the name of a socialist utopia. Now, in Illinois, I can move. But when it happens in the country, when you're promoting a socialist for president, there's nowhere else to go. We are the last hope. So you and your stupid shirt, get the hell out of my store before I beat the shit out of you. And he looked at me. He said, really? What are you saying? Are you? I'm telling you, I'm giving you 10 seconds to get out of the store. And that was my second day. Because that's how I run my business. I have the right to do it. It's my property. And that's the same for the people who own Google. It's the same thing. And if you're telling me it's publicly traded, then everybody who owns the stock and doesn't agree with it, sell it and shut your mouth. But the idea that you would call for tyranny to correct an ideological wrong you perceive shows you the willingness of yourself to be a tyrant. Ironically, although I'd love to punch half the people in the face, I'm actually the one for non-government violence. Because what you're asking the government to do is violence. You're asking them to seize the property rights away from the owners of Google. There are other venues, if you're a shareholder, you can do. Like put your money where your mouth is, dummy, and sell the stock. That's what you could do. Or, or you could do the other thing. All of you people, raise the money buy all the stock of Google, have a hostile takeover, and fire everybody you don't like. But how dare you? 
How dare you demand government to be the mitigator of rights? Government be the arbitrator of righteousness. They were mean to me. So take away their company. The hell is wrong with people? This is how countries become bastions of tyranny. Because there are, there's always the part of society that likes the tyrant, that feels they represent them. This is the broader point of your principles. You either have them or you don't. You can't go back once you sell them out. It's like being a virgin. You can never be a virgin again. It's the same thing when you give up your principles. Especially when I hear conservative, and, and I'm talking about nationwide hosts, kid. I'm not talking about every Tom, Dick, and Harry. I'm talking about from coast to coast, guys who are syndicated left, right, and center. They're pre- Yeah, you should. And, and you know what? Make them go before Congress every two months and prove that they're not implementing it. What the hell is wrong with people? what happens when you stand for nothing it's what happens you stand for nothing you're ready to bow for everything now hopefully trump and his clip said they should be sued hopefully hopefully somewhere down in that fiber underneath all of that spray tan somewhere he understands that there was a time he was threatened to be taken over by the government you know the government didn't like when he was threatening to walk away before he renegotiated all his debt and i remember specifically in the late 90s when they were talking about seizing possession. So hopefully, the reality of what he lived through will not make him abuse the power he has today. But unfortunately, we're in this position of hoping. That's a bad position to be in. You never want to be bent over the barrel and hope somebody's not in the mood. That's not the position you want to find yourself in. And that now, I, if you listen to the first half of the show, I told you how much I liked Trump being in there. So for all of you people, because I'm going to fill in for Joe Walsh on Friday. So for all of you people who are going to send it to, I don't listen to you, you're a never-Trumper. Well, number one, thank you. Because I'd like to think the people that listen to me when I talk have an IQ over 60. So all of the freaking dummies, turn the station. WLS is right down the station. They'll fit you right in. You could have Mueller ask you if your wife likes to wear her socks during sex. That's their idea of talk radio. Here we talk about issues. I want to have a back and forth with you. And I want to talk about principles. And if you think I'm wrong, you can always give me a call. I'm live now, too. 312-642-5600. But that's the point of what it is. You want to hear an echo chamber? You want to hear rah-rah and pep rallies? I am not your guy. And that's probably why we went on to the podcast for the first thing. that The company said, look, you know, yours is a little edgy. You swear a little bit every now and again. Let's try this podcast up. And I'm game. Because I think this is the most important conversation to have. And here's the other thing. This is the conversation that real people have. This is the conversations in restaurants, in Ubers. This is the conversations we have when we interact with each other during the transactions of our life with salesmen of vehicles, with salesmen of real estate, with lawyers, with our doctors. You show me a doctor that promotes Obamacare, I'll show you a doctor that sucks and wants to get paid for nothing and is scammed. Because that's what Medicare and Medicaid is. And they're going to be selling it all night tonight. And you just remember, the biggest frauded part of our government right now, when it comes to a service provider, is Medicare. And it's not scammed for, for millions. It's scammed for billions, billions upon billions. And my, my worry is the susceptible nature the Republicans have to get votes. Because you know what they're doing tonight when you listen to why they're giving you free college and free health care and free da-da-da? You know, they're buying you for the whore they know you are. 
And if you think I'm wrong, look at the city of Chicago. Look at the state of Illinois, the people that voted for this fat slob Pritzker. Look at the, the state of Illinois. We were overrun because of these, these enclaves of welfare recipients, the political whores who sell their vote for a job or a welfare check, pretending it's not welfare. That is now the citizen of Illinois. And they put in this guy, and look what he does. Raises everybody's taxes. Now, I, I solved the problem. I'm gone. My return ticket isn't to Illinois anymore. It's to Florida. I'm here now. This is the ticket on the way. My return, when I book my flight, it's to my place in Florida. That's where I'm a citizen. I don't want anything to do with this frickin' Illinois. But what are you going to do if they take over the actual White House? We, we, had a, we had Obama in there, and the yoke of tyranny of Obamacare he put on your neck is why we're pulled down. And it's here forever. Can we sustain another communist in there? I don't think so. Can you imagine if a Pritzker was in there? We want to make sure that we're building this market the right way and that there's ownership that is spread across communities that have historically not had the opportunity. In your tax laws, fatso, did you tax trust funds? You know how you make your money because you never really had a job. Did you tax long-term capital gains, gains or investment distributions after your year? How you and your family like to get your kicks so you don't get taxed? The idea that one of the most proficient tax-manipulating families in America has now implemented a governor who is promoting nothing but income tax hikes and consumption taxes shows you the stupidity of your neighbor and the fact that he will sell you down the river for free cheese. That's what Illinois citizens are. That's what is happening and has happened through the Democrat Party. That's what we're up against in 2020. I guess you got to collude with it on some level, right? I guess you got to buy Keynesian economics on some level. I guess you, Donald Trump has to promote forced low interest rates and for, forced easy credit and quantitative easing, easing versus tightening. Now, here's I want to cover this before I go, and then I got to go. The Federal Reserve, like them or hate them, and I don't like them. Okay, they're they're ridiculous. They're they every judgment they make is contrary to their mission statement. Everything they do is about enriching their few investors who you're never going to get the names. Everything they do is about actual currency manipulation that makes China blush. All you Trumpians out there about countries that are manipulating their currency, we're the biggest ones, dummies. But that's for a longer show. I don't have enough time to cover that now. But we had a policy of called quantitative tightening. Now, it's very important you understand what these two things are. Because before uh, 2008, nobody talked about quantitative easing easing in America because it was a scam. What it was is just clicking a mouse button to double the, the imaginary money of the nation. Now, since September 11th, we've done it about 600%. The money that was here before the plane hit the building to now is about 600% increased. Now, that has to show up somewhere. But what they thought, the con men thought, is if they could strategically control it to their pals and the ones who really screwed us, Wall Street and the big banks, they could give the illusion and save some retirement funds and investment, people who invest. So that's what they did. They created the money, they pumped it out strategically to their people, who then gave it to their friends and so on. And the, and the, and the, and the pond gets bigger, and they did it specifically to finance, so hoping that it would continue to expand Uh, uh, jobs and the economy because you're giving it to business creators and yada, yada, yada. So instead of it being a natural economy where people are creating wealth, we're going to fraud it. We're going to pump it up. 
And that's what quantitative easing was. Now, how did they do it? Where'd they get the number? They pulled it out of their shoe. They said, how much do I need to still keep my, my girlfriend happy and my wife at the country club? And they came up with the frickin' number, and they printed it up every month. And then when that didn't become enough, they cranked it up whenever they wanted to. And you're the dummy going to work every day. That's how quantitative easing worked. So as they realized, hey, you know, if we uh, factor in the debt and the unfunded liabilities, this country stuck not for the $22 trillion that they're pointing at. Times it by 10. And then add $40 trillion, and you're about close. How much money is that? More that's in the world. Well, we got a problem. How are we going to stop this? Well, we got to get off the juice easy, like a heroin addict. You don't just shut down. No, no, no. We've got to put you on a little methadone. So we're going to take $50 billion, $50 billion a month out. What that makes you think is, well, then how much are you creating? That you're just going to, you're not going to, not only aren't you going to completely stop it, you're just going to slow it down 50 billion. And the ramifications of them doing that, along with allowing lenders, actual people, to say, you know what, you look like a risk, I'm going to charge you more for borrowing money. You allow them, the actual lender, to make the decision, no, no, we can't do that. They said, so let's do this. Let's just put it up a quarter percent on the interest that we're, and all the people that are leveraged, quarter percent. And the economy looks, you know, if, if we go by the old standard of the, the strong stock market and yada, 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 and your fake GDP numbers, looks like it can take it. Well, what they do? They put it up there, and then all hell broke loose. Everybody said, whoa, 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 this is a house of cards. You can't drop a dumbbell on the top of it. So Trump comes in and promotes that that stop immediately. I think I have the clip here. I'm not sure if this is the right one. These are, these are, uh, these are profs clips. Let's see. Nobody ever heard of him before, Powell. and now uh, I made him, and he, he wants to show how tough he is. Yeah, Powell, because he said he'd stick to the strategy that they agreed to. And now Trump put the squeeze on him. Uh, it's possible we're going to make a deal, but I'm also very happy. With- no, that's China. They have taken advantage of us as a country. China, here we go again, advantage of us. Uh, he's so the one. Long, he's they- the one who demanded that we not do this, that they not stop pumping all of the money that the quantitative easing has been pumping for low these many years because they like the illusion. See, this is my problem with the Republicans. They're going to sell the illusion of success versus the actual growth that's needed. And that's why I can't believe how late it is. That's why you are never going to hear of a Trump yuppie. You'll have the targeted, manipulated industries that are government favorites that will do fine because they're paid to do fine. You'll have the banks that will do fine, that can manipulate the market. There was just another story. I think it was Morgan Stanley or somebody else manipulating the precious metal markets for years. Yeah, no shit. Gold should be at about 85000 an ounce if you put it to the debt. But we don't talk about principles and fundamentals anymore. Because our side's the one that gave them up. This is the broader point, whether it's Illinois, whether it's the nation. You know what your enemy is. He's your enemy. He's your opponent in thought. You can't control that. They are wrong in the evidence of truth. And they deny it, and they laugh at it. And they continue that if only we were to double down on the amount of failure, it'll somehow correct itself. That's what a Democrat is. All you can control is a Republican. And all you can do is stick to the principles and fundamentals that make you one, or not. Or you just let the definition change. And that's what this today's Republican Party is. Today's Republican Party is the Democrat Party of the 70s. That's long and short of it. That's why we're so comfortable demanding tyranny. That's why today's Republican Party 
chance for government control of businesses like Google, like uh, YouTube. And I hear about these ridiculous arguments, town square, kitchen table. It's the freaking Internet, stupid. Nobody has to use it. If you want to use it, become good at it. Don't demand that they become bad at it. You don't like somebody's view? Don't use it. But when you demand that the government is used to manipulate an economy or to manipulate a business, it makes you a soft tyrant. You just don't have the balls to say it yourself. You want one of these sexually frustrated dweebs in Washington to do it for you so you could feel important. Do not become what you hate. That's the biggest fight in life. And that's where we're at right now. These are the crossroads of your principles and fundamentals. Or you could jump on the free run train. Demand low interest rates. Demand quantitative easing. Leverage yourself to the, to the, to the moon. And then when things go bad, say, ah, I'm going to walk away. Isn't that where we're at in America today? I see it every day. Formerly good people. As a real estate broker, formerly good people, borrowed money at the time of the purchase, begged, begged. Maybe they lied on their documents, right? How about money they, they made, whatever the case may be, begged. And after they fill out that application, they prayed, Hi, oh, honey, I hope I get the money for that house. I always wanted to live in the house. I need the house. And then what happens when the house goes down in value? Screw it. Let the old lady pay across the street. Let the young kid working who, who doesn't know if it's Tuesday or July, let him pay for it. Let's walk away from it. We'll do a short sale. You know, these, these terms are created by Republicans. Let's do a, a, a principal reduction. Ooh, what's a word sale? A principal reduction. That means you're stiffing everybody because you, 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 you're a scumbag. You lied on your application and you said, I'll only pay it if the value goes up. Well, somebody show me on a promissory note where it says that of anything. See, that's the problem. The only difference is you can't do that in national debt, kids. You can't do it because you know who you owe the money to? You owe it to you. So as I watch the, the character of the Republicans collapse, I figure all we can do is promote and chant for righteousness, for liberty, for freedom. That's why we do the Liberty Hour. And I appreciate you welcoming me back. Um, where's my Liberty Hour cue button, kid? I appreciate you welcoming me back. I am going to do the Joe Walsh program Friday, 5 to 9. Sorry if I was a little tired. I just got in a few hours ago. Um, I had a good time. I hope you did. Please call in to the show on Friday for Joe Walsh, um, and we're going to discuss more relevant topics. I know I'm covering stuff that's two days old, but you got to get it out, kid. You know what I mean? Otherwise, they start yelling at strangers. I will talk to you on Friday, 5 to 7, Joe Walsh Live. We'll be back for the Liberty Hour Sunday night, 8 to 9. Thank you so much for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.